one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping, and began to bathe his feet with her tears and to dry them with her hair. Then she continued kissing his feet and anointing them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw it, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what kind of woman this is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. Jesus spoke up and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, You have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she has bathed my feet with her tears and dried them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time that she came into this room, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore I tell tell you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Soon afterward he went on through the cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Cusa, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their resources. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Please be seated. Would you join me in prayer? Lord God, bless us and keep us this day and in this time as we gather for your worship and your praise. Build us up in the way that you would have us go. Guide us with your eye. Lead us along right pathways for your namesake. Restore us through this word of forgiveness and of healing that you've given to us this day. May it go with us this week and in all times and all places. Spread throughout your creation. Nourishing your people. Bringing hope to all who are in need. All of these things we ask in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Stories are a a powerful thing. They, They captivate our imagination, and they draw us into a world where reality and fiction can intersect in some of the most beautiful and profound ways. We tell our children stories of Mary with her little lamb, of Jack and Jill running up the hill. 
as we grow older, we start to tell other stories, stories that um, have meaning in our lives, stories um, stories of weddings, stories of new births, stories of fond memories, stories of grief, of death, of funerals. And these stories, regardless of where we are in our life, at what point they come to us, they connect us to our past and to our present in ways that we often can't immediately begin to describe. Stories, stories put us into a relationship with our neighbors, with one another. They put us in relationship with our ancestors by influencing the way that we live our own lives. Stories also play a part in influencing uh, the same stories we share with our own children, our own friends, our own neighbors. Stories are also a a central part of our Judeo-Christian heritage. Scripture itself is one long story of God's love and activity in this world, passed down and told to us in the form of, well, a story. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was formless and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. Paul writes in one of his letters that when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children, and because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And at the end of our scriptures, we find in the book of Revelation that John saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more, and he saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, these These stories capture our imagination. These stories of our creation, our redemption, our adoption by the Spirit of God in our future as people cleansed and chosen by God. They form the foundation of who we are in Jesus and they describe for us the story of who we're called to be as children and heirs of God's promises. But through all the stories that we hear throughout life, there's a few stories we we don't seem to hear anymore, Um, particularly stories of forgiveness. If you turn on the TV nowadays, you're probably going to see about half an hour's worth of campaign uh, details, political speeches, and the like. And that's been going on really since last October. And through all of this campaigning, these candidates, they've, they've torn one another apart made accusations and and just, they told stories, (laughs) really. But then as as the summer comes along and the candidates dwindle down and the party nominations come along, you'll see them all up on stage giving each other big handshakes and hugs and smiling and waving at the crowd because they want to give this image of party unity and moving forward. And all these stories that have been told over the course of the past year, they'll be forgotten. And in the media, we hear more stories of than the upcoming election of the battle between these two candidates from separate parties. But we don't hear the story of forgiveness, a story of reconciliation between these candidates who over the course of a year have destroyed 
their opponent verbally. We don't hear these stories possibly because they don't sell well. Maybe because they didn't even happen. And from our gospel lesson this morning, we can, we can guess that some of these same things have been going on throughout history. Um, Jesus had entered a, a Pharisee's house, a man named Simon. And the culture of the day dictates that Simon the Pharisee, as the host, go out of his way to allow his guests um, first to wash up, um, particularly their feet. You know, walking around in the desert, your feet get a little bit dirty. To be clean in a guest's home is something that we take the initiative of now, but back in that day, the host always cares for their guest. And not just caring for them, but greeting them properly. Uh, Jesus said Simon didn't give him a kiss. In many cultures, even today, a kiss on the cheek or on the hand is a sign of greeting, almost like our handshake or a hug for a more familiar friend or a guest. And as a host, Simon would have provided oil uh, for his guests, almost like a perfume, to show that Jesus was important. And he didn't just want him to be clean, but he wanted him to be respected. But for some reason, Simon did none of these things. And so our story continues that this woman enters, not a servant of the house, but a stranger of the community. We don't really know much about her, but what we do know is that She's a sinner. Well, a sinner like the rest of us. But a sinner who devoutly and tearfully washes Jesus' feet with her hair, with her own tears. She kisses them and anoints them with a costly ointment. Now, as stories go, I'm sure you've heard the phrase uh, over the course of your life, to let your hair down. Well, it means something today very similar to what it mean, meant back then. To wear your hair down in, in this culture particularly was a sign of uh, promiscuity or carelessness. And that this woman was a sinner, we must remember in this culture that for a sinner, an unclean person, to touch a clean person, someone who's been observing the rituals and the piety of the day, is to transfer your uncleanliness to them. So for her to touch Jesus, to touch his feet, Simon and his other guests probably think that Jesus is now unclean as well. So in his mind, Simon's probably thinking a lot of the same things that these candidates we see on the television are saying. This person's no good. What's he doing here? Why is he in my house? He also thinks of the woman, puts her in a place of uncleanliness, of untouchability. To do these things then as this, this woman did, just as if someone were to come into your house today to take your shoes off at the dinner table and to wash them. And not just wash them, but wash them with their tears and with their hair. It's, it's scandalous. It's unimaginable. And so when Simon begins to criticize in his mind the scandalous and unimaginable actions of this woman, Jesus tells another story. A story of two debtors whose debt is canceled by their creditor. In this day, creditors weren't like bankers lending money for a small interest, well, you know, reasonably small interest, um, legitimately with a contract in fair business. No, these creditors are more akin to loan sharks. 
people who have their system worked in their favor, who are in it to make money, creditors who are going to follow through on their end of the deal. But this creditor, out of grace, out of love, out of forgiveness, cancels the debt. And so Simon, which of these love him more? I suppose the one for whom the greater debt is canceled. So by inviting Simon the Pharisee into this story, Jesus forces him to look outside of his own preconceived notions of how things are and to witness the power of forgiveness, the power of mercy, and the power of grace. This story from Jesus shows us that our own story, our own life, is ultimately the story of God. The story of a gracious, loving God who loves us, who cares for us, and who cancels a debt that we ourselves cannot pay. And so Jesus says to Simon, Therefore I tell you, this woman's sins, which were indeed many, they've been forgiven. And for this reason, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Notice what he says, that because this woman understands as a part of her story that she is forgiven and loved by God, she can live into the story that God has in store for her. She can live as someone who's forgiven. She can live as someone who's chosen by God, someone who understands that in all that she is and that all that she does, God is using her and working through her and working to share that love and forgiveness with others. You see, forgiveness isn't just forgetting like these candidates do that, you know, that's in the past. We're going to move on from it. Going on with a smile and a wave. No, forgiveness is a process of healing, a process of love and care. It's a process that itself can bring pain and hurt. But forgiveness is more than just a story. Forgiveness is real. Forgiveness is the promise that we receive from God that God doesn't leave us that God doesn't forsake us, that God's story for us is one of healing. God's story for us is a lived reality that overcomes the grief and the pain and the horror and the evil that we see in this world on the television or in our own communities. The story of God is a story of our redemption. And it's not a story covered with bows fixed up by doctored TV images. It's a story surrounded by betrayal, by torture, by death, because our story of forgiveness comes from the cross. In that death, in that crucifixion of our Lord, God's ultimate promise of forgiveness and redemption are found in the resurrection of our Lord. And in that resurrection, our lives are given a new story, not a story of, of sinfulness, a story of shame, 
Our stories aren't marked by the things that we were or the things that we've done or the things we've left undone, but they're marked by the cross of Christ, by Jesus' words of forgiveness, of peace, and of grace. This story is our story. This is our song, a story we don't have to imagine because we're living in it. We live in this story of the cross a story of forgiveness, a story that acknowledges our sin, but a story that extends the grace and the love of God to us and to all of our neighbors, our friends, our strangers, in our midst. Through this story of the cross, this story of God's forgiveness, we share with this woman the reception of God's love and know that we too can depart in peace faith, the faithfulness of God has saved us and that we too have a greater debt canceled than we could ever pay. Regardless of what we do in this world, we we will find ourselves in the place of this woman from time to time, convicted and confronted with the sin and death of this world, judged by others, put in a place of reproach and shame. But in all of these things, we're still confronted with the forgiveness of Jesus and the empowerment to show great love to those around us. My prayer for you, for this church on earth, as we live out these stories in our lives, is that God's story, our story of forgiveness and mercy and peace, be the story that guides you from day to day. May it be the story that you tell to your children and to all whom you encounter. May we all be lifted up by this story of God's love, of God's grace, of God's forgiveness, and go in peace. Amen.